Okay, guys, so we're going to talk about the mystery today, all right? When Paul talks about mystery, he's not talking about, like, Agatha Christie. You guys like Agatha Christie mysteries? Yeah, I kind of I did, you know, I, or Sherlock Holmes, a mystery, you know what I'm saying? Uh, or some of the other things, like, uh, you know, we, we have a subscription to BritBox, so we like the British mysteries, you know what I'm saying? Brits seem to be very big into mysteries. And why? It's the whodunit stuff, okay? And uh, so you spend a whole hour and a half watching a show trying to figure out who did it, all right? Well, that's not the kind of mystery he's talking about. When he uses the term mystery, he's actually talking about something that is a better word for it is a secret. This is a secret that has not been revealed and now is being revealed. And this secret has to do with you and I as Gentiles, because that's what we are, right? Unless, you have, unless you're a Jew, this is about you and the whole issue of salvation. He's already alluded to it once before, but now he's going to talk about it further. So we're going to look together at chapter 3, verses 1 through 13. So let's read this together, okay? So you can look in your Bibles or your Bible app, as we are, as, you, as I'm going to read this. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to the, his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, his grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages had been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in heavenly places, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Therefore, I ask you, do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. All right, so we're going to look at this together. We're going to talk about the mystery and exactly what is Paul getting at here. And there are some very powerful truths here that I think could be very meaningful for you if you would just consider them, okay? So let's talk about, first of all, he's going to describe himself, kind of a transition point in verse 1, a prisoner of the Lord. All right, the statement for this reason, introduces Paul's next topic. So it starts off, we just kind of brush by, what's going on here? He's going to introduce a new topic now, okay? 
it reflects on his discussion of our salvation and the unity between Jew and Gentile in Christ. Now that's the discussion he had in chapter 2. Remember the first part of chapter 2? He talked about what we were like before, what we were led by, that we were dead and now we're alive through faith in Christ. And because of that, we're now a part of a new community where he has taken the two who had enmity between them or hostility between them, Jews and Gentile. He has made something new out of that. So this is a new topic that's going to reflect upon his discussion before. So, but then he also points out here, Paul points out that he was a prisoner of Jesus Christ for his readers, the Gentiles. Now, some people, when they read that, they say, oh, he's saying he's a prisoner right now. No, that's, he's not specifically talking about it. Yes, he is a prisoner. But that's not what he's referring to. He's saying he's a prisoner of Christ. He's a prisoner too. He's enslaved. He is held captive by Jesus. I think we understand that. You ever seen somebody who's totally love-struck? You ever seen somebody who was totally love-struck and you say about that person, oh, there he is, he's a prisoner to so-and-so or a slave to them. Why? Because all he sees is his love for that person. This is what he's talking about here. He is a prisoner to Christ. Do you understand? He, he is a prisoner. He's bound to Christ. All right? So now he's going to get into the revelation. What revelation? I thought we are talking about the mystery. Well, the mystery being revealed, the revelation of the mystery. We see that in verses 2 through 7. First of all, he's going to talk about, I think the New King James says dispensation. So it says in verse 2, a dispensation. He points out that they had already heard of the stewardship of grace given to him. Now, the New King James says dispensation. That word, when it's translated, can mean stewardship, dispensation or administration okay so he's talking about a responsibility being given to him a responsibility of grace and he's saying that they've already heard that he has this responsibility okay this stewardship so this stewardship of grace was given to him for their sakes for whose sakes the Ephesians now, what do we know about the Ephesians? Who are they? What kind of people are they? If you divide the world up into two types of people, what kind of people are they? That's right, Gene. Gene's being very quiet. Gentiles. Gentiles, okay? <laughs> They're Gentiles. And so they already know, they already know that he has been given this stewardship this administration, this responsibility, New King James says dispensation of grace for their sakes, for the Gentiles. Aren't you glad for that? Because we benefit from that. He points out that the Lord revealed to him the mystery. The mystery. Now, again, you could, if you don't like that word because you're thinking Agatha Christie, then use the word in your mind, secret. Something that was hidden. Okay? Something that was not revealed before. Okay? So he points out the Lord revealed to him the mystery. 
Now, he briefly mentioned this mystery in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 9. So if you go with me over to verse 9, look at what he says. Having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. That's where he referred to it before, the mystery of his will. What's the mystery of his will? Bringing salvation so that two can become one. All right? Two can become one. Now, when they read this, so he's saying when his readers read this, they will understand his knowledge concerning the mystery of, in Christ. So even you and I, when we read this, we'll know, yeah, he knows what he's talking about here. He knows about this mystery, okay? And that's the point he's making there. So in the ages prior to theirs, the Lord did not reveal this mystery to men. All right, so before Jesus and before Cornelius coming to salvation in Acts chapter 10, and before Paul's ministry to reaching out to the Gentiles, this was not revealed to anyone else in the world before that point. From Adam on up, there was never any revelation that God would take two distinct people Jews and Gentiles. We say Gentiles are more than just a distinct people. There's ethnicity. Yeah, I understand. He's dropping it down. If you say, oh, there's Jews, then everybody else is a non-Jew. That's Gentiles. That somehow they would be able to come together through Jesus. That was not revealed. There was no, you can't look for that in the Old Testament and say, oh, well, there it is in the Old Testament. No, he, it's not revealed. He's pointing that out. Christ is able to do that. So in the ages prior to theirs, the Lord did not reveal this mystery. And let us stop. Do most people know about this mystery today? Think about it. Do most people know about this mystery today? No, most people couldn't care less, would they? You know what I'm saying? Do the Jews who are in Israel know about this mystery? No, they would reject it. What do you mean? You know what I'm saying? You've got you to have an understanding of Christ to grasp it. So there's no understanding of the mystery. So now the Holy Spirit is revealing the mystery, again, here it is, to the apostles and the New Testament prophets. Who are the New Testament prophets? Well, we know some of them from our Bibles, Jude, James, Peter. Well, Peter is an apostle. But Jude and James, the writer of Hebrews, if it's a non-apostle who wrote that book, we're not sure who wrote that book, but these are books that were written that you and I have that would be reflective of the prophetic ministry from those guys to us, okay, New Testament. So the Holy Spirit is revealing this mystery. Now, the mystery concerns certain truths that become reality for Gentile believers. Okay, so I want you to think back with me for a moment. Think back chapter 2 last week. Before salvation, did you have a claim on anything as far as God, his promises, his inheritance? Did you have any kind of claim? 
No, Gene spoke up that time. No. All right, good, Gene. All right, no. All right. Why? Why didn't we have that claim? Well, it's not, that, not just that we didn't believe in Jesus. Who are you? Gentiles. And remember last week he said you were strangers to the commonwealth of Israel. Do you understand? You are aliens. You don't have any rights. So before Jesus and salvation in Christ, we were left hanging. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? We had nothing. And so this is what he's trying to emphasize now is that the mystery now concerns certain truths that become a reality to you and I. So now the mystery reveals to us now that as, as I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, there are certain things that are true for you and I now. You know, that, that are true, that are not there for anybody else, but are true for me, okay? That are true for me. What are they? Well, let's go on. He says, Gentile believers are fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of Christ's promises. All right, let's take them two at a time here. Fellow heirs with who? Jews. Okay, that's right, Sue. Jews. Now, let me ask you a question. Heirs to what? Well, not just salvation. What were the promises given to the Jews? What's that? Yes, the Holy Land. The land promises. And all the bounty that goes with the land promises. You and I had no claim to any of that inheritance. What, that, you mean that little piece of real estate? No, no. If you look at the promise to Abraham, it was everything from the River Nile up to the River Euphrates. And never in history have they ever had all of that territory yet. Do you know what I'm saying? Never. Even under David and Solomon, they never had that kind of an expanse. From the River Euphrates, where is that, folks, the River Euphrates? The Euphrates flows through which countries? Anybody know geography here? Well, no, that's, that's the Nile to the south. But the Euphrates flows through Syria and Iraq. Okay? So that is a big hunk of land, isn't it? That would cause a war right now, wouldn't it, if you went and said, I own all this, right? That's not, that's what the promise is. Now, before, you had no claim in the promise. Now, are you saying I just get a piece of desert? No, not just a piece of desert. But the promises that go with being in the desert, the bounty, the blessing, the fact that the nations will bring all their glory to Israel, you and I will share in that. Do you understand? So, we also become partakers of Christ's promise. Now, what do you think that is? What are the promises that Christ has given us concerning the future? Okay, well, yeah, he's coming back, but because he comes back, we will then share in his promises. What are they? 
Okay, Rob said it, eternal life. Mike said salvation. Both are the same. There's something more there. You mean there's something more than salvation? Well, because of salvation, you and I are going to be given, promised something else. Okay, eternal life. What? Okay, Rob, you said it. Reign a thousand years with him. The promise is you're going to be in charge. You're going to rule with him. Wow. Isn't that awesome? You're going to rule with him. You, you're going to, you know, now here's the thing. Yeah, I don't know about if I want Rob to do it. Yeah, he's going to be perfect. <laughs> do, do you understand what I'm saying? So he'll be a perfect ruler. He'll have, he won't be corrupted by his sinful flesh as he is now or I am now. Do you understand what I'm saying? He'll be a better ruler than he's ever been, period. I will be a better ruler than I've ever been, okay? So the reality is you and I share in those promises. We never think of that, but that's the reality. Let's go on. It is because of the revelation of this ministry that Paul became a minister. The word minister here could also be translated servant. Paul became a servant to this mystery. We're all servants. Did you understand what I'm saying? We're all servants of this mystery. The servants of what? We are servants of the mystery of the grace of God in Jesus Christ, which brings salvation and so much more. Do you understand what I'm saying? We're all servants. And, and a lot of times we forget that. We just think church is the one hour or two hours on Sunday. Me doing a Bible reading plan. You know what I'm saying? But it's more than that. It's your life reflecting the grace of God so that they can experience the grace of God. Now, it is according to the gift of grace. It was according to the gift of grace and the effective working of God's power that called him. He became a minister because of the gift of grace and God's power. So think about it. When was Paul called? Anybody know when that was? What happened when he got called? Anybody know the story? It's in Acts. He's on his way to Damascus to do what? I hear whispers. All right, what'd you say, Bob? Yeah, per persecute and prosecute Christians, okay? So he's on his way. He's on a donkey heading up there with letters from the high priest to arrest Christians in Damascus. What happens? He's blinded, that's right. And he, does he get knocked off his horse? Yeah. Who speaks to him? Boy, you guys need to read the book of Acts again, okay? Jesus speaks to him. And the point is, is okay, so then he, Jesus tells him to go to Damascus. He's to wait there. He's blind now. Ananias comes to him reluctantly because he knows who this is. And Paul becomes a believer. Now, that was grace, right? Because here's a guy who wasn't looking for Jesus, was he? He was looking to kill the followers of Jesus. And it wasn't by the power of God? Yeah. Boy, knock him off a horse. Do you know what I'm saying? Blind him. 
Yeah, so that's what he's saying. He was called to this ministry. Now, reflecting on himself, so he's going to get into his responsibility now. Reflecting on himself, Paul describes himself as less than the least of all the saints. What do you think he means by that? What do you think he means by saying that he is less than the least of all the saints? Okay, that's true. All right, that's, that's good. But I think he's getting something a little bit more specific here. What do you think it is? Okay, that's good, Tim. All right, let's build on what you're saying. He's less deserving. Why would he say that? Okay, he's not worthy, Rob, but why would he say that? All right, Bruce said it. Because he persecuted believers. He killed them. Do you understand? He threw them in jail. He killed them. So when grace is shown to him, do you think he lives with the memory of the brothers and sisters in Christ that he killed? Yeah, he does. And so now does he think he's, oh, I'm just an apostle. I'm, I'm a big dude. No, he actually thinks he's what? Less than. Well, what, there's a word that we use to describe what he's feeling here. Humble. That's right, John. Humility. What's reflected in here is, is I'm, no, I'm nobody special. If anything, I'm the least. And he says that several times in his letters. He did not see himself as anyone worthy. Do you understand? Because of the salvation and the grace that was shown to him. Now, I'll be honest with you. Let's stop for a moment and say, wow, what a guy. Yeah, but you know what? If I think about it, it's the same attitude that I should have. It's the same attitude each of us should have. Why? Okay. We know ourselves. We know our sins. We know our stuff. And yet God saved us? Do you know what I'm saying? And wow. There's nothing special about me. Do you know what I'm saying? There's nothing special about me. But yet, God, you still want to use me. Do you know what I'm saying? Whenever I see some, I dwell in a world of pastors. So whenever I see a, some guy who's really into himself and arrogant and stuff, I, I have to shake my head and think, man, do you not realize he used a donkey? He talked through a donkey? And you think you're somebody great? You're not. He can use anybody. Do you know what I'm saying? So the issue is humility. Paul's expressing humility. Why? Because he's going to talk about his responsibility. Grace was given to him in order to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. All right, let's stop for a moment. I think this is a good place to reflect on something. What do you think that means? He's been given the responsibility to teach the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. What do you think that means? I want you to think with me. What do you think that means? Because when we realize what it means, we realize what it doesn't mean. Okay, we can't do it on our own. Okay, that, that's part of it. Okay, anybody else? What is the message and what is it not? 
because he's speaking to Gentiles who are not Jews. Who are not Jews, remember? So what is it not? What is it? Yes, by, by what means? Okay, by Jesus, by grace, right? Faith in him. What is he not telling them that they need to do? Follow the law. So here he is, he's speaking to people who are outside, who he used those terms in chapter 2, who are far off, who are aliens, who are strangers, wanting to draw them near to Jesus, and the message he brings to them is a message of what? Grace in Jesus Christ through faith. He is not presenting to them what? The law. The law. Now, here's something to think about. In our culture today, when people think about Christians and the message that we're presenting to the, our culture, is it grace or law that they think about when they think of us? Huh? Do's and don'ts, yes. The law, Sue said. Are we off track? Yeah, big time. Something's wrong, right? If, if that's what's communicated is that we're presenting a morality to keep versus the grace that comes through faith alone, there, there's a problem. Now, we say, well, George, are you saying there's nothing wrong? What, what, are you, I, I don't know if I agree with you, uh, the, the morality issue. No, no, because the first step to coming to understand how to be now be a moral person is you have to be what first? saved do you understand you have to experience the grace and out of the grace comes the what the morality do you, do you understand out of the grace comes the morality because for an unsafe person they have no capacity for morality okay let's go on he is able to make plain the administration okay or stewardship of the mystery which was hidden from the beginning. So now he's able to make plain what's going on here. So now you and I, as we read this, yeah, we understand, okay? We understand. The mystery was hidden from the beginning of time in God who created all things in Christ. So from the beginning, God, this was God's plan from the beginning. So sometimes we think of like, you know, I, I may plan something. Okay, plan A is we're going to do this. Well, with all kinds of different problems, supply problems and all of this, my plan A, I've got to come up with a plan B now to figure out how to do it because my plan A is not going to work. This person messed it up or whatever, it's going to be plan B. That's how we operate. God doesn't operate that way. There's only ever been one plan. His plan that we would be at this point of the mystery being revealed, that Gentiles would be included. That's an awesome thing, that you and I would have salvation. So the mystery was hidden so that it would be revealed to the church, okay, to the church and those in heavenly places. What does that mean, those in heaven? Who, who are in heavenly places? 
Angels. Yeah. This, this is a mystery to them too. They don't understand this. But this is a revelation that God is using us as something to bring them in awe of who God is and the plan that he had. The mystery was hidden and revealed according to God's purpose revealed in Christ. This is all according to God's purpose. Now, in Christ, it is in Christ that believers have boldness and confident access through faith in Christ. Now, this is where it gets, the rubber meets the road with you and I. Now, it's because of this mystery that you and I are included. Okay, so before he's talked about us being a part of the family of God, we now have boldness and confident access through faith to who? Christ, to God. Hebrews chapter 4, 16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in a time of need. Let me ask you something. I know how I am. Sometimes I'm slinking into God's throne room. Sometimes I'm embarrassed to go into God's throne room. Because why? I'm a sinner, but I need your help, God. That is not the emphasis that we see here. He's saying now your salvation provides you with all of these benefits because it's through faith, not because of what you're done or haven't done or what you're going to do or what not do. It's because of him. You can have boldness to go to talk to him and to present to him your needs. And there's, you can even be bold to expect him to do something about it. Do you understand? So it's kind of like, I, mean, I think about, like remember when Madison was, we were living in Canada, Madison was small, and, and remember when your kids thought you guys could do anything? You know what I'm saying? Remember when they were small and they're little ones and they're toddlers and they're like, dad and mom, they can do anything. You know what I'm saying? Because in their mind, that, that's their comprehension of the world. Mom and dad can do anything. Madison comes up with a broken toy and says, daddy, fix. Okay, maybe I could fix it or maybe I could make it disappear. Did you understand what I'm saying? Because I wanted her to think that dad was great. But this is the thing. It's the kind of expectancy. Doesn't he say for us to come to him as what? Little children, right? All right, now, Paul asks his readers not to lose heart for him as he experiences tribulations for their sake. So he's kind of wrapping it up here. He's, he's saying with my responsibility, hey, what I'm facing is just part of the territory. It's just part of the territory of what I'm supposed to do. The tribulations that he was experiencing was for their glory. Now this again, we wouldn't necessarily see this as we're reading it, but what's he talking about here? He's, he's saying to them, look, if it wasn't for me experiencing these hardships, you wouldn't have gotten saved. Why? Because Paul was on his way to Rome, remember? As a prisoner, they stopped by Ephesus and what? Paul preached. People got saved. Do you understand? And so the fact that he's going through the difficulty resulted in their what? Glory, their salvation. Okay? Their salvation. So the phrase for the glory refers to 
the, his meeting them when he was a prisoner headed to Rome. Okay. Next week, we're going to get into Paul's second prayer. 